Welcome to the Otter Cares podcast. I'm Jess. I'm Matt. Here and we we've are. got a great episode ready for you. Let's do it. Woo! Well, hi, Trisha. Hello. Thank you for joining us today on our, our fifth episode, I guess. Fourth or fifth Yeah, episode. number five. What is happening on the Out of Cares <laughs> podcast? Yay. So uh, Trisha is our, our senior grants and programs director, and she's been with Out of Cares for um, over 10 years now, kind of gotten to wear like all the hats almost within the organization. So uh, Trisha, just, you know, tell our amazing audience about who you are, like, what were you before you came to Hotter Cares? And, you know, what's yeah, it been like to watch this journey for our organization? Yeah, happy to. So um, I worked for the Otter Products Company for a little over 12 years. So my background is in marketing and public relations. So I did that for um, the first, my first couple of years working for the company. Um, and then, you know, part of that, at the time, the company was small. There was, you know, 40 employees when I started. There's around 1,000 today, so really large growth. And one of the things that fell under the umbrella of public relations was that community outreach piece. Mm-hmm. So something that I think is really cool about Otter Products and the Richardsons is they've always given back with their company. It's a big part of who they are and what they do. And so even you know, 12 years ago when the company was barely profitable, uh, we sent three OtterBox 1000 waterproof cases to every nonprofit who asked for a product donation request. So that was one of my first jobs was boxing up those OtterBox 1000s and mailing them off. Uh, Not, not quite scalable to the level that we're doing now, but, um, but still just really meaningful uh, in, and then in that time, we launched our first partnership with a, a, a national nonprofit, the Avon Breast Cancer Crusade, and did a cause case to benefit the uh, Avon Foundation uh, for uh, Pink is Strength. So there were pink cases to benefit the Avon Breast Cancer Crusade and did some stuff there. And I was involved with that partnership and kind of got a taste of that work and was really excited about it. And so when Nancy decided to start Otter Cares, I got the opportunity to sort of leverage what I had learned and done as a volunteer uh, committee member for Otter Cares at, at the beginning. And so there was kind of a cross-functional team of us that helped with that. And that eventually led to a full-time role about a year later. So um like you said, just done a little bit of everything, you know, the employee programs piece, worked on what our initial grant programs would look like, uh, you know, 10 years ago, which has been kind of fun to see how our approach to funding has changed and matured and grown, and just how the work that we do has grown and the impact has really multiplied. It's been really fun. It's awesome. And just uh, the five years that I've been with the organization, just seeing what we've been able to accomplish because we're so strategic and focused on, on our mission. I mean, really when you, you know, it's about, you know, depth rather than necessarily breadth. And so, I mean, I've learned a lot about that just in my time here. I'm sure Matt has too, huh? Oh man. Yeah. In my short, you know, year and a half or whatever it's been, it's, uh, 
Yeah, I've learned so much and just been able to witness, you know, a lot of that, uh, like some, a lot of that groundwork that you were a part of, Trisha, just kind of seeing it, um, seeing it kind of come to fruition and, you know, continue to grow. Um, even just, uh, just in the short time, I've been able to witness and help capture some of these stories. Yeah, I think that transition has been really interesting because from the outset, I think there was an always, there was always an interest in going deep versus wide with mm-hmm. the work of modern cares, right? So it's kind of the idea you can go a mile wide and only a foot deep, or you can go a, you know, a foot wide and a mile deep. And I think, I know, I should say really that, you know, the, the goal from the very beginning was always to go deep. But when you're new as an organization, you don't always know what that means. And so, especially the first few years, that was a learning experience for us, right? In the beginning, always a mission focused on education and really empowering youth to make a difference. And what we saw, you know, from that first phase to kind of our more recent last five years was really the opportunity within the big realm of education to focus on entrepreneurship and philanthropy mm-hmm. as really areas that could make a huge difference for kids and also tapped into what makes otter otter and allowed us to share those values with young people in such a cool way. And so um, over the years, really unpacking that has allowed us to, I think, have a much greater impact in a specific targeted area, even than we set out to do 10 years ago. It's been a really cool journey and it's just, I don't know, just the the partnerships that we've developed over the years, just in the last five years for me, I mean, I think they're just, they're so awesome. And just being able to connect with the students and connect with educators and hear about these, you, you help fund my crazy idea. You know, I think about Jake Marshall over at IC Aeronautics and he was just that dude, much like Kurt sitting in his garage, you know, coming up with this idea and saying, Hey, take a chance on me because I'm going to really inspire kids to, to be change makers. And that's exactly what he did. And he, and we've been able to come alongside and be a part of his journey and watch it grow in such a beautiful way. Um, but it all starts from figuring out who we are, you know, who do we want to be and really championing our, our mission and finding those like-minded educators and, and programs that, that do, you know, inspire those kids to be entrepreneurs, philanthropists, the Kurt and Nancy's of the world, if you will. Um, but yeah, it's just been a cool journey. And I'm, I think it's cool. You've been here from the ground up. I'm a little yeah. jealous. <laughs> I love what you said about taking a chance. Um, because I think that's something that's really cool and sort of unique about Otter Cares is the willingness to invest in new ideas and new programs uh, and sort of approach the charitable work that we do with an entrepreneurial mindset, right? Like we don't know for sure this is going to work, but we think it probably is. And there's a good plan and there's good research behind it. So let's take a chance together. I think we've been uh, a part of some really cool programs because of that willingness to take a chance. and. You also use the word partnership, which is so integral to what we do. And I think that's the only way you really can take chances as a funder is to have a true partnership with the people and the organizations that you're funding to really um, dig down with them and, and say, well, this is more than just a check. You know, we want to invest in you, but that investment is 
money, but it's also resources. It's people, it's, you know, strategic thinking. Let's talk through this. Um, let's think about the ways that we can achieve this work together. And I think that's what's really at the, at the biggest sort of top level of the organization, what's cool about the funding work that we do uh, is those two pieces, right? Like that partnership and that uh, willingness to take chances, to take big chances. Definitely. And it is those entrepreneurial teachers, right? Those, those, those educators that are like, I want to do something different. And I have this idea and I don't know how to do it, but we're going to figure it out. And those are the ones that, you know, we typically see be the most um, effective and successful in their programs because they're willing to take that leap and build the plane as it's flying. And we're just there to help provide a little bit of fuel and uh, attach a wing here and there, right? <laughs> and it's so cool to have heard from, you know, Trisha, you're talking about partnership, hearing from those those resources, those those otters who have gone into those classrooms and just sat down right next to those kids and said, hey, we're both going to figure this out. Maybe I'm a little bit, maybe a little bit older and have some more experience, but I value what you're bringing to the table too. Um, and just hearing those stories and how that really impacts um, the employees. Um, as you said, I mean, that's, that's kind of the, that's the sweet spot, right? For sure. Definitely. So Trisha, you've been able to really create and help, you know, hone in on where our, our sweet spot is in terms of being a funder and a partner with organizations um, in Northern Colorado and in San Diego. So for those listeners that don't know, we have two program grants that uh, Trisha spearheads. I mean, she's, she is our subject matter expert in it, and she's the one that's going to connect with you and walk you through the, the whole process from A to Z. Um, so that's our impact grant and our inspiration grant. Uh, Trisha, can you just talk to us a little about what, what are these, these fabulous funds um, yeah. and what do they do and why, what are they created to, to help? Sure. Yeah. You know, so by definition, a program grant is designed to fund a specific project or specific activity that an organization runs. In our case, that organization could be a nonprofit or it could be a school or a classroom within a school, um, but really looking at, you know, an, a specific activity that they're engaged in. And so through our lens, looking at teaching entrepreneurship and teaching philanthropy, um, the goal of that project or program should be one or both of those things. Um, you mentioned, you know, we have two funds, the Impact Fund and the Inspiration Fund. And um, they're, they are the same in terms of what we fund. The only difference is where. So our impact fund existed first, uh, and that supports organizations in northern Colorado. So Larimer County and Weld County in Colorado. And then our inspiration fund is in San Diego County of California, which was added a couple of years later. Those locations were chosen really intentionally around where our company has physical office locations. We really believe in investing in the communities where our employees live and work and kind of giving back to those areas where otters exist, knowing that we can't possibly give everywhere in the world, even though I think we'd all wish we could if we had unlimited resources. So really investing in those areas where we have a physical presence uh, is important to us. And so 
just to differentiate the two funds by geography there, but really everything else is the same. So we are looking for educational programs. So there's actual teaching, there's transferring of content, development of skills um, around being entrepreneurial and around being philanthropic, sometimes one or the other, oftentimes both. We think that those skills are very complementary. I think if you follow the story of Otter Products and you see, you know, who Kurt and Nancy Richardson are, uh, you'll see how well those two things go together. One of the things um, I, I always remember about Kurt is he's, he always has said, if you do the right things, the right things will happen. That's sort of one of his core business philosophies, you know, that I've heard him say many times working for the Richardsons for 12 years. And I think that's like one of the things that people say that sounds really good. But in my journey with Otter products, I've seen that really be true. You know, Kurt and the company leaders believe in doing the right thing for our customers and for our employees. And the business has shown success because of that. And so I think when you talk about feeding those same skills into young people and the work that Otter Cares does, um, we're teaching them to think about their why, to be purpose-driven, to believe that they can change the world, and then to develop the skills to actually change it. And in many ways, philanthropy and entrepreneurship go hand in hand in allowing kids to do just that. So I'm getting a little aspirational there, but um, from a gut that's what we're trying to do with, with our program grants is um, fund programs that, that do that. And I mean, time and time again, we've had, we have dozens of stories uh, of students really discovering their why and driving and moving with their why through entrepreneurship and philanthropy. And it is because of the, the programs that we invest in that helps to unlock that. You know, I, I think, and I tell everybody, and Matt's tired of hearing this, so I apologize no. in advance. Um, <laughs> I mean, we're all entrepreneurs and we're all philanthropists. It's just a matter of being able to to really explore that in an environment that nurtures both of those characteristics. You know, we, we are all problem solvers. We all take risks, but we need to be able to, to take them. We need to, we need to have educators come alongside us and say, Hey, cool. You know, you want to do this. Let's do this. You know, we're here to support you. And I think philanthropy is just an innate characteristic of human being a human. Um, it's just helping to grow those and, and nurture those in a space that really just is a facilitative state. Like, you know, we're not telling kids who to be, where to go and how to do it. We're saying, Hey, you can do this. Let's, let's work together to make it happen. Yeah. And I think our programs that we, we have supported are, I mean, they, they demonstrate that beautifully time and time again, they, I mean, they're, educators are the guides on the side, right? Not the stage on the stage. The kids are driving these programs and everybody's trying to learn together <laughs> and work to find the solutions together. But in the end, it's a beautiful, I mean, it, it's just a beautiful experience that transforms educators and kiddos for the rest of their lives. You know? For sure. I really like what you said about everyone being an entrepreneur and a philanthropist. I think, uh, 
you know, I think a lot of people can relate when you say everybody can be a philanthropist and everybody has something to give back. I think a lot of people will follow you on that. Like, okay, you're right. And then you say, well, everybody can be an entrepreneur. And I think you get more pushback from people on that. Like entrepreneur is this big, scary word for some reason. Uh, But I also think if you talk to most people, they had a lemonade stand as a kid or they sold Girl Scout cookies or Boy Scout popcorn. You know, like we've had those experiences. And I think a lot of us, when we hear the word entrepreneur, we think of that true DNA entrepreneur, like Kurt, you know, that person who was never going to work for somebody else. They would have just been miserable. But the world is also full of stories of people who didn't really set out to be an entrepreneur, but one day they just happened upon an idea and they couldn't let it go. And so I really think, you know, by investing in these programs that teach entrepreneurial skills, we equip people that when they come across this brilliant idea that they just have to pursue, now they have the transferable skills to bring that idea to life. Um, and so I think, I think there are lots of entrepreneurial stories. I remember reading the story about the woman who started Stitch Fix and her story was much like that. She didn't set out to be an entrepreneur. She just came across this idea. And I mean, I don't know what their um, profitability is like, but my closet would suggest that it's quite large. So uh, I, I just think there's so many stories like that. Uh, and so that's why teaching entrepreneurship is so relevant and so important to everybody, not just those people who know for sure that they're going to be an entrepreneur. I totally agree. When, um, when you talk to kids and you talk to teachers about this like entrepreneurial mindset, and it's something that I think we have, I mean, obviously we are all experiencing this right now. Like how can you have an entrepreneurial mindset when we are walking through a completely, you know, this is uncharted territory when it comes to education and business and just society. Um, I, I know at the beginning, when we all started walking through this together, everyone's scared, right? We're like, oh my gosh, how do you do this? What's, I feel I'm, I'm paralyzed with fear. But then you had these people who are like, you know what? We're going to find a workaround. We're going to find a way to make stuff happen. We're going to get education online. We're going to still do business this way. We're going we're gonna to find a way to use Grubhub as much as possible to make sure that our, our businesses stay open. Like we are going to be problem solvers. And I think that is just a a root of any entrepreneur and really any philanthropist is what's the problem and how do we solve it? What are the, what are the ways that we can create solutions that are going to work? Right. But you got to test it and probably fail a few times. Um, But they have an impact on many people. And so I think as we look at the current state and future state of, of our world, that entrepreneurial mindset, regardless if you actually go on to be Kurt or our Stitch Fix founder, um, you, you need to have that that mindset. You need to be okay with stepping outside of the box and finding solutions that people haven't discovered. Um, we see a lot of that within Otter. You know, we call them what we call them entrepreneurs. Is that the okay. word that you know? Yeah. <laughs> ah, I, see, I see what you did there. <laughs> um, but it's those people that are are okay with challenging the status quo they're okay with pushing the envelope and finding different solutions to even a common problem um and aren't aren't afraid to fail within you know 
within the context of, you know, it's okay to try this. And if it doesn't work, we'll find a solution. Um, please don't, you know, blow $25 million on this, <laughs> you know? Um, but I think that's what's so great about these programs is that you're going to have these kids that are the true DNA entrepreneurs or the kids that are, they don't know what they don't know yet, but you expose them to this pathway and they're like, Oh, that's, I can do that. Or you're going to have the other kids that are like, this is really cool. And I'm learning how to do, how to solve problems differently. And that's something I'm going to carry with me forever. Yeah. It's almost like another thing that these grants do. It's like, you know, it can be, I'm not that, you know, serial entrepreneur person, but I mean, I have ideas. I got, I got some things, but like, it's almost like these grants almost give that kind of like, you know, you're kind of looking at this like cliff, like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to either kind of like sink or swim here. I'm going to dive in. And so I'm just like with these grants, there's, it's almost like a little bit of like a here. Okay. Here's your first step. Here's like a little bit of a, it's not a safety net. Cause obviously, you know, you, you have to fill out a lot of application and you got to know what, what you're going to do. But you know, I mean, it's like, I was like, okay, somebody, somebody else believes in this too not just with money, but also with kind of their just overall philosophy. And, you know, that maybe kind of takes that little weight off and just, you can look at one step um, as you start your journey. So I think that's another cool thing that the grants do as well. Yeah. I'm really glad you said that, Matt, because one of the things that we have really been intentional about improving over about the last year, year and a half is our grant application process for those reasons that you're talking about, right? There's a lot of people out there that have great ideas to help teach these skills to young people, but they're not sure how to write a grant, you know, especially teachers. So much of the work we do is with classroom teachers. And when we, you know, took a step back, you know, a year and a half or so ago and said, what are the grants we funded that have been really successful and why? And we found that a lot of it was relationship-based. They were grants that we had been intentional about being part of the brainstorming and program development process with the organization. And so I would say, I don't know, maybe a quarter of our grant-funded partners come to us with a really robust, well-developed idea. They're like, we are really sure about what we're doing. We have this great program. We look... You know, I look at it and I say, this is a perfect match for Otter Cares. Let's get your grant pipeline. I would say a larger chunk of people have a spark, an idea, a start on something, but they maybe haven't written a grant application before, or they don't have the strategic planning resources that maybe we have access to in a company like Otter Products. And so what we really tried to do is make not only the process of receiving a grant from Otter Cares be collaborative, but also the process of applying for a grant from Otter Cares to be collaborative. You know, we can't come up with the idea for you, but if you have that idea, if you're looking over the edge of the cliff, I think was the analogy you used, (laughs) um, we might have a parachute or like a belay cord. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know, we can get get down it together. Exactly. Um, We want... We want to fund the best ideas, not the best, not just the best grant applications. And in order to do that, we as a foundation have to be willing to get into the weeds with our applicants and really help them think through um, what works best and what resources they need. 
and how we can help them access that. And so that's something that we have really tried to do. Um, and I think we're seeing the results of that now, which is great. And so if you're listening today and you're thinking about applying for a grant, I think the biggest thing I can say to that is like, reach out, you know, shoot me an email, um, fill out the pre-application on our website and we can start chatting, but um, don't let not knowing all the answers stop you. I think that's a huge part of what we do and who we are. Absolutely. I think that's huge. Cause like you said, a lot of our, a lot of our listeners are not professional grant writers. And um, I mean, just from my very small experience looking at grant applications and, and seeing those, it's, it can be intimidating, especially if you don't know how to really um, communicate your, your idea in a way that you know, it's different talking with somebody and hearing what their ideas are versus trying to, you know, read it and, and getting that same type of enthusiasm or idea through. Um, so I, I think your your advice to just, you know, reach out and, and let's let's talk about it, I think is a is a perfect first step for people who are like, I have a I think I have an idea. I think it might fit. Can you please help me? <laughs> yes. Yeah, and you're right. That's a great first step. And I think where the conversation goes from there, just to give people a lens on kind of what our evaluation criteria is, it, you know, that that next step is really saying, are you, is this program teaching kids to be entrepreneurial or teaching them to be philanthropic? I think one of the key points there for people to keep in mind is it's not just, we're not just looking to support programs that give kids the experience of, of doing like business management or doing a service project, we want them to learn the transferable skills of executing those things on their own, you know, so it's, so they might go through your program and do a service project with you or run the business that, you know, you've created for them. But when they leave your program, they should be able to continue to practice those skills on their own as well. And so that's really what we look at. Are you teaching them to be entrepreneurial? You know, are they learning how to write a business plan? Are they learning how to think about what a customer wants? We talked a little bit before about, um, you know, having a good idea and wanting to make money off it, right? Like the entrepreneur, but I think... Some of these programs can teach kids to come up with good ideas, right? Like what makes something a good idea? It's not just because you think it's cool. It's because there's a customer and a market for it and it fills a need. Are you teaching kids to do that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, And then same on the philanthropy side, you know, like, are you teaching kids to identify needs that they have time, talent, treasure to give back? You know, I think that from from the ideation phase like you come to us with an idea the first question i'm going to start unpacking with you is which one or both of those concepts does your idea address and how does it address them directly that was going to be my next question is hey 
how do I go about this process? What should I know before I actually start to yeah, give us give us some tips? Yeah, like some inside, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> the inside information that everybody's always, you know, hungry for. Like, what are those things that you would tell people that before they, you know, just like you said, before you connect me, walk through this process. Next up is this. And what else do you see when you when when you have an opportunity to engage with a potential partner? Yeah. Like what are those just what are those things that you know are going to make a, a really good idea come to life and translate into their grant application? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I think some of it is we want the grant applicants to have to, to possess the skills that they're hoping to instill in the students that they're helping, right? So if you, if you have a new program idea, have you thought through your target market for it? Have you thought through the needs of that population, you know, and how it fills their bucket? Uh, I think there's a lot of really amazing programs that provide various facets of youth development. Sometimes those facets are related to entrepreneurship or philanthropy, and sometimes they're not. You know, we're really clear with people. It's not, um, it's not a ranking, right? We don't think you know, entrepreneurship and philanthropy are the best and only. It's just that that's where we've chosen to invest because we saw a gap there and an opportunity. And so if your program doesn't meet one of those two buckets, it's not bad and we want you to keep doing it. And it might not quite be a fit for a grant from Otter Cares and that's okay too. Um, we are, I'm really careful in conversations with people you know, if you have an idea that might overlap with what we're passionate about, let's dive in and explore developing that. And we never want an organization whose sweet spot is somewhere else to feel like they need to get into our sweet spot just for the purpose of getting a grant. I don't think that serves anybody well. Um, you know, and then you get yourself sort of into the like square peg round hole situation Unfortunately, I think scarce resources in the nonprofit community sometimes encourage that approach. You know, if we dress our program up in the specific clothes, you know, we can we can shoehorn it in and make it a fit for what they're looking for. We we don't want to do that. Other cares doesn't often you know, we, we can, usually our board can see through that. And I think while it can be hard as an organization to not be funded in the long run, it's to your advantage that you're not having to, you know, modify every little tiny aspect of your program to try and fit the parameters of what we do. Um, instead now, again, back to that piece, like, let's have a conversation. Let's talk it through. I'm going to be really upfront and honest with you about what our board is excited about what we're looking for. And I've had great conversations with people where it's like, yeah, that is something we've been wanting to do. And let's talk through how to develop that. I've had equally great conversations with people that said, you know, we think that content is great, but it's really not what we are best at. And that's okay too. We have, you know, our no co-fund grants for any organization in our community to get, you know, some small support with their fundraising endeavors. And so we have ways, you know, the bulk of our dollars go toward our impact and inspiration fund grants because that's, 
the heart of what we do, but we also believe in supporting a vibrant nonprofit community. And so there are still ways to access support from other cares, even if we're not the perfect fit for one of those program grants. I think that's a great way to, to keep Otter Cares and Otter Products in mind, for sure, is um, even if we don't jive or we're not on the same, I mean, we, don't, we may not have the same purpose in terms of intentionally teaching students entrepreneurship and philanthropy, but we still want to make sure that our, our community nonprofits and, and schools are supported in some form or fashion. So we do have our no co-fund grant. We have, um, as Trisha mentioned, a thousand-ish employees that are super passionate about making a difference in their communities and giving back to things that they care about. Um, And we offer, the company offers them a benefit of volunteer time off. So they are incentivized to go out and, and volunteer. They get paid to go and make a difference in the, in the community. So if we can't partner together with a program grant, we can still partner together with some incredibly talented and passionate Otter employees that would love to, to get involved and, and support uh, whatever cause or need that you have within your organization or classroom. Yeah. So connect with Trish, us. <laughs> yeah. Trisha, what I heard you say a lot is like, <clears throat> I feel like if we could boil it down to a word, it's like, it is a, it's a true partnership. Um, with a lot of heart, dare I say, um, you know, cause even if, like you were saying, it's not like, you know, you send in an application, it goes into this void, um, you know, full of robots who look at a specific rubric and rank it and then nope. And then yes, no, yes, no. It's like, it's more of a, um, no, but, or a yes. And, or, mm-hmm whatever the however that phrasing goes but I think and I think that should be that should be really encouraging for all the listeners out there like if you have something in mind that you think might align with what what we're talking about here today like start a conversation and uh Trisha will walk you through it right (laughs) you're not busy right (laughs) yeah and that's my job so I am busy doing just that and I love it and I think you're exactly right there's not a specific formula you know it's not like write it just like this and you'll get funded but I can offer tips and thoughts on what um what generally we're looking for Mm -hmm. I would say there's a couple of things consistently across the board that people can keep in mind also uh, which is you know to be really specific about your tactics so the how of what you're doing, you know, the why is important. And I think a lot of people are great at tapping into the why. Um, There's a lot of heart, like you said, Matt, in nonprofit work. And so for us in this field, the why is easy, right? We get the feel goods from it. And from a strategic standpoint, when we talk about making a grant investment, we want to know the how, you know, and so the more, detailed you can be in the tactical part of your plan, the stronger that's going to make your grant application. Also, what are the outcomes that you're looking to achieve um, and really differentiating between outputs and outcomes, right? So outputs are, you know, the countable things. Like we had 50 kids go through our program and that's great, but if you had 50 kids go through your program and none of them actually got anything out of it, it doesn't matter to us that 50 kids went through your program. We want to know about the outcomes that you're trying to achieve. How 
Do you want those 50 kids to change their behaviors, change their beliefs, change their skill set? Those things are harder to measure, but that's really what we're looking for. And I think you include both of those things when you're looking at a grant application. But again, things that can prepare you to have a winning application is really understanding those outcomes. And the other thing I would say, just generally from an application standpoint, is try to avoid jargon that's, you know, specific to what you do um, or your industry. You know, a lot of our grant um, review committee has different backgrounds. And so um, making, there's no points in our grant application process for using SAT words. (laughs) You know, like it's okay to use simple vocabulary. Um, You know, we want to be able to convey your program cleanly and in a way that any person with no knowledge of what your organization does can pick up your application, read it, and know exactly what you're doing. So I think those are the big tips that apply to everybody. And then knowing that there's a partnership, there's a discussion, it's not a robotic calculated, you know, form. Yes, you're approved. No, you're not. Um, So those are the big things. And that's great and super helpful, I'm sure, for a lot of people that are new to grant applying and aren't sure where to start. So I, I think those are super helpful tips, very important, regardless of what kind of, whether it's us or a, a different funder, just keeping those tips in mind will help to strengthen your application and how you approach writing it. Um, what I think is neat about our our approach is, you know, really that post I think the post-funding process that we go through, like we, we do try to be hand in glove when it comes to ensuring that your, your program that you have developed and dreamed of, we want to make sure it's successful. You know, we, we're entering in this partnership with you. So how can we continue to strengthen what you're doing? Is it volunteer help? Is it planning help? Like what else can we do to continue with you on this journey and ensure that you're, this, the journey that you're going to walk through is, is a little bit easier than just like handing a check and saying, good luck, hope all is well. Um, we, we are very invested both, you know, from a, a funding perspective, but also from a personal and personnel perspective. So um, Trisha, just talk a little bit about what, what can I expect? Like, oh, cool, I just got, I just got funded for Modern Cares. What's next for me? Yeah. So, um, often we'll have, I mean, nearly always, unless there's a reason not to, we'll have a meeting shortly after the grant has been funded to kind of touch base, talk about plans, you know, things like that. And then lots of check-ins along the way. It's different with every organization because everybody has a different type of project. Everybody has a different timeline. But I would say it's not uncommon for me to talk to one of our currently funded grant partners at least once a month and just, you know, hear how things are going. We're out visiting the program, right? So, you know, if you're doing a business incubator, we're attending sessions, we're hearing your students pitch their business ideas. Um, Matt, you talked earlier about talking to some of the employees who've gone into these programs. So, you know, we might have a, a program that we funded that said, oh, you know, we want somebody to come in and talk to our kids about market research. That is not my specialty at all. Uh, I, Trisha Vincent, am not qualified 
teach people about that. But what's fantastic is that we have a whole bank of other products employees that do have different skill sets. And so we can reach out to that team and find a volunteer to go in and, and provide that content um, from a real world expertise perspective. And so as the program kicks off, um, you know, we talk through that. There's questions about the in the application itself too. So feel free to include those asks in the application. But but we know again. The, the receiving of the check doesn't end the grant relationship. It starts it. So, you know, that's, that's well where said. the conversation. Yeah. That's, cool. yeah. Yep. that's where the conversations start um, all the way through to the reporting process. So we do require a written report at the end. My hope is that when I'm looking at your written report, nine months to a year from when your initial check went out, nothing that's in it surprises me because we've been in touch all along. I know it's going well. I know what hasn't gone well. I think it's important to say that we have provided funding in subsequent years for programs that um, didn't quite meet their stated objectives from the first year. If they're really clear about why and they are making wise adjustments moving forward, Um, nothing in the world ever is executed perfectly as planned. And I think one of the mistake sometimes in grant making and funder fundy relationships is um you know these grantees feel like they have to paint this really pretty picture into a report and the downside for us if that happens is we don't know what other resources you need besides our money you know if we if we have a really trust based relationship where you can pick up the phone and say to me you know we tried this here's all the reasons we thought it was going to work and it, and it didn't. Let's talk about it. How beneficial is that for both Otter Cares and for the organization? Because we can fix it together. And so, you know, I think there's a lot of fear in the funding world of, oh gosh, if something didn't go perfectly, we can't let them know. And what I'm saying is we know that nothing ever goes perfectly we're attached to a billion dollar company where lots of things go wrong every day. Um, in fact, if you, if you tell me nothing went wrong in your whole year, I'm probably not going to believe you. <laughs> um, so instead, you know, feel free to share what went well, but also what didn't go as well as you thought it was going to. And we can think about ways to fix it together. I love it. I love it so much. So, Trisha, there's a good portion of our audience that does not reside in um, Northern Colorado and San Diego, but I know we have ways that we can help them. What are some ways that we can still help some ideas come to life, even if we are in Ohio or Florida or Jersey? (laughs) You know what's so great about the mission that Otter Cares Champions is it is relevant everywhere. Um, I think if we had, again, unlimited money, we would fund these programs in every city. But we have some great resources that can be used anywhere. So, you know, hopefully if you're here listening, you are aware of our Project Heart program, which is a fantastic um, set of resources, bank, library um, program to teach philanthropy. We've, you know, that that's really the flagship of Otter Cares is the Project Heart program, which is 10-ish years old in and of itself. Um, 
And, you know, that, that program started to teach fourth and fifth graders about philanthropy and how to discover their time, talent, and treasure, and has grown into this really robust bank of resources for elementary, middle school, high school kids, after school programs for you to use at home with your own kids. Um, and so Project Heart is available for free anywhere. And from a grant making perspective, we announced just earlier this year, um, a grant to support work happening in partnership with our Project Heart program. So um, these grants are called our Illumination Fund, and they're available to anywhere in the United States. Um, you do have to be a nonprofit or school to receive a grant, but the grants are intended to support student-led projects that are either philanthropic or entrepreneurial in nature. And so, you know, what we saw as people started using Project Heart or they wanted to use Project Heart is like, gosh, this is so great. But what if I teach my kids this and they come up with an idea and I don't have any money to help them bring their idea to life? You know, that's really where the magic happens. It's not coming up with the idea. It's bringing the idea to life. And so the Illumination Fund is designed to provide small grants up to $500 to help those students bring their ideas to life. Um, again, alongside a teacher or a nonprofit that they're working with, which allows us just to go get through kind of the legal piece of issuing the grant, but just a really cool way for us to invest in those projects and for kids to have the financial resources they need to execute on a dream or a vision that they have. It's so awesome because we just got done talking with Olivia last week, who was our most recent Illumination Fund grant recipient. What a rock star she is. She's incredible. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, okay, well, I feel way better about our world and our future knowing that kids like Olivia, they're just going to take it and run and be like, okay, we're in good hands, everybody. Don't <laughs> worry. All of us old people can retire soon. <laughs> fingers yeah. crossed <laughs> and listen to episode four for our in-depth interview from her that's right that is right Matt hopefully all the subscribers listening today have already listened to episodes one through four yeah yeah as they should, yep. as they right. should <laughs> go back and, re- and listen to that one you got lots of time on your hands people that's come right. on <laughs> just absorb it all right just get it all in and get all the magic in um, so just for me, just to a shameless plug, if you want to know more about some of the programs that we have funded in the past, please make sure that you visit, um, our website, ottercares.org. Check out our YouTube channel. Uh, we are on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. So we have lots of great stories, great, um, examples of those partnerships that we've been able to cultivate over the years that are creating that, that bigger impact and, and really, helping to grow young entrepreneurs and philanthropists that are, are changing their communities today. Not, not just going to happen tomorrow, but they're creating real impact today. So make sure you check it out and get inspired. Um, there's, there's a lot of cool programs that you can bring into your own classrooms or nonprofits that will, will be make change makers out of your kiddos. Well, I think that's it for us. Trisha. Yeah, I think that's it. Thank you Thank so much. Thank you so Bye. much. Your wealth of knowledge. Trisha um, is available. You can find her uh, contact information <laughs> on our website. So uh, feel free to connect with her with questions that you have about the grant application process to see um, where your ideas land. If you want some more help 
kind of vetting those out um, and to learn more about what we do because we're all about making friends and creating new partners. So make sure you stay connected. Indeed. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm thinking at this very late stage, we didn't mention that those deadlines for the Impact and Inspiration Fund are June, June 15th and November 15th. So we're a couple months out from that June deadline, which is the perfect time to start working on ideas. Um, but really anytime within there, right? Like if it's July, you know, you don't have to be like, oh, I can't contact her about a November application until this fall. Like, we'll we'll get you in. So, but there's one coming up here in less than two months. Is that right? Yeah. Yep, less than two oh, time is so weird right now. <laughs> yeah, it's supposed to be 80 degrees in Colorado next week, people. Oh, yes. way. It's happening. <laughs> Enjoy. Seriously. <laughs> Cool. Well, thanks for your time, Trisha. You're awesome. She's a wealth of resources, people, so make sure you connect with her, okay? Well, thanks for listening to this episode of the Otter Cares Podcast. I'm Matt. I'm Jess. See you later. See you next time.